Hello, and welcome to The Rebuild. My name is Peter Moses. I am not joined by Dr. Gates Merriman today. Instead, I have a interview that I did with the Andre Knott on IG Live earlier this week, talking about Brownstown, our brand new world history of 20 years of sadness with the Cleveland Browns, right in time for their Super Bowl winning season. Am I right? If you're used to listening to Henry Ettinger, tune in because I'm sure he has important and smart things to tell you about the 53-man roster. Like, wow, who could have seen it? Nick Chubb made the roster. I was really scared there for a second, but it all worked out. Um, yeah, we're going undefeated and everything's great. But in the meantime, before I get back here with Dr. Gates for one of our three podcasts that we do in a year, um, check out this interview with Andre Knott and definitely go listen to Brownstown. They're short, they're fun, they're funny. You laugh so you don't cry and um, enjoy it. All right, here's Andre. I figured this out right. What up? We're What's live. up? How are you? We're doing it. Look at us on Instagram. Figured it out, kids. I'm here. <laughs> Did it, man. How are you? My, I got my Jim Brown jersey on. Nice. Look what I got. Oh, look at that. Yeah. That's, that's sexy. Yeah. We got to give more of these out. Yeah, those that looks good. Um, um, where Where are you right now? In your backyard? I'm in my backyard, yeah. Oh, man. My, my own lap of luxury right now. I got to cut in. <laughs> Ugh, I've been living in LA and New York for too long. That looks like I was like, "What are you like a multimillionaire?" Is that what in LA maybe? But yeah, not, not in good old Medina, Ohio. Um, <laughs> I gotta cut my grass because that's what the cool guys do after they drop a podcast, right? <laughs> I guess. I guess. Um, I mean, we're gonna talk about Brownstown and this show for a little bit. React to. I don't know. We're live with two episodes. Um, we detail 2017, rock bottom, Hugh Jackson. We've got the Art Modell saga and the move out. And um, I don't know, just kind of recap. I feel like we've been talking on and off about business for the better part of 30 years. So um, I don't know. Did you listen to them this morning? What was I, your What was your thought? I listened last night as well. Um, probably because I know that we're going through this junket of speaking to people and yeah. about the podcast and everything we put into it. And it's almost like in some ways, um, <laughs> because there's so many different stories. There's so many different ways to tell the story. So it's like, I went back and listened and the art model stuff is just so, you know, you know, you, you're 33, I'm 43. And I know everyone had kind of has their own feelings about why the Browns left or when they left. And I feel like, I hope knock on wood, we did a good job of kind of explaining that. Yeah. Uh, art model was bad. But the learner, Al Lerner wasn't great either. He kind of, you know, what he was able to do and how he pulled this off. Um, and I think that plays into kind of the catastrophe that we've gone through over the last 20 years with no real leadership. And even, you know, even as the leadership that they have now came in, um, they were behind the eight ball. They had no chance. And I, I think we did a good job of kind of explaining to, especially the younger generation, um, that fight in the Muni lot now. Yeah. <laughs> like, what you're fighting for and how you end up getting into this. I thought, um, I'm, I'm glad we used like the Chris roses, um, in, in an article like this, in, in this episode, because I think he gave a great way of telling you what it used to be like here in Cleveland and, and what it used to be like, um, at Brown stadium. I, I, to be honest with you, I can't wait till the next, the next two come out the next, I want them all out, but I'm glad we're doing it the way we're doing it. Yeah. It is like, I also think just like, you know, transparently, 
we've never made a podcast cast like this before. You've never made a podcast like this before. I think of it like your favorite TV comedy. Like yeah. first season, first five episodes of The Office, you're kind of like, oh, I like this. This is cool. But like, then you get to like season two and you're like, okay, now they're cooking with gas here. And right. I think we're like, the next couple of weeks, we really started cooking with gas. Even the, the, the Art Modell episode, it's just, you're kind of like, is this right? We have no one to kind of like, Tell well, us what we're doing is any good or not? Well, it, us? We talked about people pissing on everything about him, and that was not our game plan when we went into this. But it played into it. And as Kenny Rhoda just said, who's on here, he's right. Um, Art Modell was bad, but so was Al Lerner. When you really look at it, you know it. And, and I thank guys like Terry Pluto um, and Jim Donovan for being so upfront. And I think that's the one thing that I have to say. Um, as you guys listen to this, as, as I go back and listen to it, I'm so thankful to the people that we interviewed and how honest and how real they were uh, about so much of what we asked, because there were questions that were asked that if people wanted to go the opposite way and not truly answer, they could have. Um, I thought Terry Pluto was very open to things. I thought Jim Donovan, as we hear about, and I know this is coming soon. I know that the, you know, when they talk about the first game back in Canton <laughs> and, and how they had the buses and how everybody was so excited after Tim Couch throws a touchdown. Um, I think that's going to be a real cool thing to watch if you're a Browns fan, especially as you're getting ready for this season. It's uh, listen, if you're in here too, and you got a question for Dre about the show or about the Browns in general, I'm happy to throw them uh, his way. Um, I, yeah, I'm with, I mean, it is just such a weird also dichotomy that like we put this show together and the Browns are cutting people like Kaderil Hodge, who would have been like, the number one receiver for probably any time between 1999 and 2008. <laughs> Kevin Jackson, yeah, Kevin Jackson, Dennis Northcutt would have had their work cut out <laughs> next Ooh. to Kadero Hodge. But, you know, wild. That, yeah, but that's the steps that they're taking now. They're cutting players that are going to actually play on other NFL teams this year. You know, we have the quote in the one trailer, the video trailer, and people, if you don't know the voice, it's Phil Savage. And Phil Savage told us that, you know, like his first day walking out of practice after – and I thought Phil was huge because he worked for the Browns before they left. He traveled to Baltimore and with the Baltimore organization. And then he came – you know, then he came back with the Browns. And when he came back that first day, and they were in OTAs, I think it was, that he told us. And Peter, he goes – he's looking at – he looks at his assistant. He's like, when's the varsity come out? <laughs> and, like, that was the guy that had to put the team together. And that's, what, 04, 05? Um, it's just been, they've been so behind the eight ball. And I, th I know you and I have talked about this so much. Um, I just want all of our generations to connect. You know, I just want all of our generations to understand why your great grandfather, your grandfather loved autogram and loved Jim Brown, like the Jersey you have on, um, why Bernie Kozar can have signs up all around the stadium now. And he's still looked at and thought of as, as, you know, he walked on water, right? It was Bernie Kozar. He's a local guy. Um, and then I just and, – and, and, and I was talking to Jake Burns, who I did an interview with that's going to run on Blue Wire a little bit later. We had a really good conversation earlier. And he's younger, and, you know, he's a big fan, grew up in Columbus. And he talked about, you know, he was like, thank you. You know, he was, thank you for giving me things that, that we didn't have before, that I didn't know. Because there's a younger generation that loves the Browns, that buys the jerseys, that goes to the games, that don't really know why we've been in the situation we've been in. And I hope that we fill some of those holes – for the younger generation. So maybe if you're celebrating a playoff win in January, um, you can kind of laugh and be like, man, I listened to that, that podcast, you know, three months ago. And they told me about, you know, Bernie, Bernie, you know, when, when some guy, when some local rapper is redoing Bernie, Bernie, 
for, you know, Baker Baker or whatever else or Chubb cereal. Um, you know, you can have that connection now because I feel like in Pittsburgh, they have a connection. Like, I, I get sick of my buddies that are Steelers fans that sit around with their dad and, and you know, they all got their jerseys from 70s, 80s, 90s, and now. Well, hopefully we can kind of get back to that where everyone, whether you're 22, 42, 52, or 62, um, we can have a connection and understand the connection now. Chubb cereal is such a perfect example of how metaphorically and physically hungry people are to just like love something so much. It's just yeah. in the absence of like, okay, like I will do my best to really care about Muhammad Massacoy. I really will. But it's just not the same as when you just have this like, you know, like when you have a baker making a play, but like, you know, looks like Aaron Rodgers, which is right. just, I've never seen a Browns quarterback roll out the wrong way and kind of sling something from their hip that just drops. I call, I call BS. Oh. You've, see, you've seen a quarterback roll out the wrong way. He did, That was because he didn't know the plays. <laughs> yeah, it was just Brandon <laughs> Weeden flipping it upside yeah. down. Like, let me, all right, let me ask you this. Because the, these are questions that are going to come for both of us, and I know they're coming. Um, for people that will ask about this podcast, and they're going to say to you and they're going to say to me, why do you guys do more on – and you can, you can pick whatever subject. And I'll use Johnny Manziel. Because I think for both of us, we have like – like we could have did a whole thing on Johnny Manziel. And Johnny Manziel was talked about. Don't worry. But you know what I mean. They're, like I think we stayed away – not stayed away from the salacious, but we didn't just – and I'm glad we didn't. I think we told a great story um, the way we told it. But what will your answer be to the, What will your answer be to those that say, well, why didn't you say do this or why didn't you do that? We tried to thread a needle. Like, for me, uh, you know, my wife doesn't know anything about the Browns. She generally hates sports, but she's listening to this and saying, oh, okay, this is, like, giving me some context for, like, who you are, why you are, and, like, what the team is about, ostensibly. And I think also someone, like, here, like, Mr. Cleveland, who will answer your question in a second, like, we want it to be something that you also feel like you are – connected to even if you know all those stories or know 80 percent of it and it is a fine line to say like you're right when we were developing this we we're just like oh shit man there are the, you know so many stories right you could do 20 episodes on just the time of the johnny manzel era or just but like at some point you kind of have to kill your, your your babies a little bit and leave some stuff on the cutting room floor to tell a story and you know shout out to harry swartow our oh my producer and writer harry was awesome Harry was the one who had to be like, yo, you Cleveland psychopaths, we can't <laughs> tell this ridiculously weird, unspecific story that has nothing to do with like the arc of the team. And we're like, oh, Harry, I hate you, but you're right. And thank God we had his voice in there because he allowed the show to kind of find its footing. Him and John yeah. Yales really did a great job. Miriam Khan too did some research, like just kept us like, we try to say as specific as possible, but you have to, like we're telling a we're telling a twenty fucking year history in 15, 20 minute episodes right. that of fifteen like that's not enough time. Like if we oh, wrote no. an encyclopedia, sure. Or you did right. like, you know, uh your own Casablanca or fucking Prince of Lawrence of Arabia, then yeah, you could well, tell that, that story. Well that was the thing we try I tried to explain to Harry a million times. And even still like one of the first tweets I saw this morning was like, Oh, this is great, but it needs to be longer. And like on one hand I was like, you know what? There were there were days where I was like, I agreed. And then there were days where I was like and I think that's a hard thing. I think most people are just used to podcasts where people just talk. Yeah. And that's great. And that's fine. And, and there's a place for that. But I think in this, in trying to tell a story, 
and I didn't always agree with it. And I could be, and I could be difficult with it as well because I was like, no, this story really matters. Or this quote really matters. Or people know this. I, I understand what we were doing and it may, hopefully it'll keep people wanting more. I hope. I think it'll keep people wanting more. And I think it's also something where we want people to discover the show for the next 15, 20 years. Like yeah. this is a definitive view on what happened to the Browns and when they were terrible, because right now, I mean, we're, we're, we're fucking sweet. Like we're, we're good. Like we're like legit. I, you know, I don't have as many, I don't have any insiders in the NFL. I have one and he uh, was down in Atlanta and he's a, a coach. And I, and I was just like, how awesome did the Browns look? And he just said, they're big, yeah. they're big and they're really well organized. And like that, yeah. and like, that's just like, he's like, they're big on their lines and like, they're like Stefanski running their like, you know, pregame looked real as it was very impressive and to me that is so small and so simple but such a big deal in terms of it's a huge deal like we've never like you would never say that about the team for 20 years so right. we're finally turning the page and i think it allows us in you know injuries aside or even if there are like this we're not the same old browns finally so we finally have like the 20 year history that kind of defines everything like, who, who we were and yeah right. and everything all right, I got to shout out to Incog for bringing up Fred. I know who it is. He says, the Chubb cereal is the Browns telling us we got too fat for McDonald's to give us another MDP. <laughs> Do you remember the MDP? It was a Michael Dean Perry, and it, it, was like a, it was like a Big Mac on top of a Big Mac. It was, a, it was like – and he had a commercial. He was like, I can only eat 92 of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, now we got to eat Chubb cereal because we got too chubby on the Michael Dean Perry burgers. I, I want to get to a couple questions. Right. From, one from Mr. Cleveland. Uh, will the hate for the Browns or will the hate for Baltimore be even be relevant in 20 years? Yes, I think so. Personally, Peter, because um, they took our team. I have a, I'm being completely 100% honest. I hate, and I don't like using the word hate, but I hate, I hate Baltimore and I hate them because more out of the jealousy. And if that makes sense, I'm jealous because I was talking to somebody earlier and they were talking about the, I think it was on the, the new A to Z podcast. It'll be out on blue wire sometime today as well. I don't know. We just gave you a, a ton of Andre all at once. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but we were talking about the system that they have and I got mad because I'm like, that's us. That's just, was supposed to be us. That's who we are. Um, you know, the rugged defense, the, the, how they play offense, how they can just plug guys in what you're talking about with the Browns have now, the Ravens have had for 20 years. And they stole it from us. Randy Lerner, you know, Randy, or Al Lerner and, and Art Modell pulled a swift one on us. And they, 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 they took our team from us. They took our identity from us. And Phil Savage says in this pot, and I don't want to give too much away, but I loved our Phil Savage interview because you don't get many people that have been in his role as honest and open as he was with us. And I, I think you agree. And he said, even talking to Lou Groza's granddaughter, I believe, or, that – yeah they always felt like the hardest thing that happened to them and the organization was that there was, was a, you know, this was a new team, but we called it the Cleveland Browns and Cleveland Browns fans had the same expectations of the 80 of the 99 Browns as they had of the 86 Browns. And you were never able to cap capture that because Baltimore stole everything that we had, um, everything, our identity, how we played Ozzie Newsome. Imagine if Ozzie Newsome stays here in Cleveland, and is the architect of the 98 Browns, uh, you know, of the 90 of the 99 Browns. So I'm glad you asked that question. And I know the Steelers are supposed to be the most hated and they're our rival. But Mr. Cleveland, I will always have a hate for Baltimore and what happened. 
Really, because I respect who the heck they are more than anything else, and I know that should be us. Where do you – I mean, I wonder, do you think – I mean, I guess they have a new team, and, like, they kind of created their own identity. And they, the other thing is the Ravens kind of got their own identity because they won so quickly and because they were good. But, like, I wonder if the – do people from, like, Baltimore feel that way about the Colts? To me, it's probably older people maybe who feel that way. Yeah. But, like, they're – it doesn't feel kind of, like – it doesn't feel like it's fractured. And I think you're right, no. too, even, even interviewing people down by, like, during the draft for the show, there's this kind of dichotomy between, like, the guy in his 50s or 60s who, you know, I talked to one guy who was like, you know, like, I'm here. My kids are in Brooklyn. Like, they don't, like, like they're, like, they think I'm, like, you know, old and out of touch <laughs> and, like, you know, racist and all this stuff. But, like, I know I'm a Browns fan. I'm diehard. And, like, talking to someone like that who was there for Red Ride 88 compared to talking to, like, the 17-year-old kids who know Deshaun Kaiser, there's just this gap in understanding of, like, right. what is actually happening. Or, like, kind of, like, our history. You're right. Our history was kind of, like, ripped apart. There's, like, a missing part of the timeline. We're like divorced kids. We're like the, the kids of divorced parents. Hey, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, seriously, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're brother and sister, but the dad, like, I went with dad. My sister went with mom. Like, we're all, like, that's how I feel like as fans we are. We're this disconnected uh, group. Like, we, we, you know, we all have our own memories of what the Browns are. And like you said, you think of Deshaun Kaiser. And I'm like, I, I don't remember that. Like, I can remember Gary Danielson, like, who, who, like, who brought along Bernie Kosar. Uh, I remember things like that. Th those are things that like matter to me and that matter to everyone else. Um, so I'm hoping that we can marry that together. I hope that people can do this. I, I got to tell you, um, for those that listen to the podcast already or that are going to listen to the podcast, uh, the voice you hear during the interviews. And I think we had the best for, for I, I got to tell you, I got to cry. I got to tear in my eye the first time I heard episode two um, because of the interview you had and it, Peter is a guy that's doing the interview, asking the fans, this was at the NFL draft this year. The, when he went down there, you can tell in his questions, he has a mask on because you can hear him more clearly. Now uh, he was, he was being studious of everyone around him last April, this past April. But Peter, I mean, what a home run to walk up to someone and say, you remember when the Browns left and you get the story that you got. I mean, what a heart. I mean, seriously, the first, I, I'm like, even saying it right now, I'm getting my skin because that says so much, man. How did you like, like when you got that answer, did you realize you just hit the jackpot for what we were doing? Yes. Yes, I did. I immediately was like, I was like, Oh wow. Like I, and I think the coolest part of being down there was, man, we're so fractured. I know this is going to get slightly political for a second, but I promise it has to do with the Brown. We're so fractured as a country. We've all been isolated from each other. We all hate each other. We all live on different sides of the city. East versus West Cleveland, there's such a vibe. There's such like, you know, there's so much like racial and, and tension and all this stuff. And like the coolest thing about going down there was I got to talk to people who looked whatever I wanted, black, right. white, old, young, uh, families, dudes, like, and, you know, and it was just so cool to kind of hear how this team brings these people together in a way that like, I genuinely don't know if there's anything else that does. And we've talked about this before, but like, right. for me, I'm like, yes, I'm going to interview this very clearly Trumpy dude whose face is painted orange and care legitimately about his right. feelings and what he wants. And then like, 
that was just like um it was just like three black dudes sitting right kind of by the entrance just hanging out in brown's jerseys and I was just trying to grab interviews from anyone who would talk to me because everyone was just pouring in. So I was right. running back and forth, just like, Hey, you got two minutes to talk about the Browns. You want to talk about Charlie Fry? What do you know? Like, or just kind of based on also how old people were. Um, and hearing that guy talk and hearing that story was just so, it was just lucky. It was right place, right time, but it was getting able to talk to so many different people who just look so different. And it was just so cool to kind of like, what brings us together is like, we all love this team that is like, stomped on our hearts for a million right. fucking years and right. um it was cool i was just like yeah it's really it was just lucky because i got you hear there's a lot of interviews where people were just like kind of swore at me or was wrong <laughs> or like the guy telling the guy tried to interview a guy selling nick fucking jump t-shirts and he wouldn't stop saying the n-word at me and so like there was like a call like listen like you don't you don't hear those but right. like, i think um, it was like a really magical experience, especially after being cooped up for a year to just like see and the stadium just felt alive, man. Everyone was just pouring down there and you just see these and like talk about a tear in your eye. Like you see like kids in Baker jerseys, you see kids in Miles Garrett jerseys and right. Chubb and Beckham. Like we used to try to like, figure out who, what Jersey you were going to like, like sludge through. Yeah. And, tape like, up and not wear. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's an embarrassment of riches right now. Even like to me, I'm still like, if I had to rank jerseys, I still think for the moment right now, I think Landry's kind of like Landry's. A, I love Landry. I, I love just think Landry, Landry embodies Cleveland the most. He does. Well, think and, about it. What he did on yeah. that HBO show is what, what, what changed like, like that, that moment, that moment that he had in that wide receiver room on that show for HBO was like, you know, and like, and, and, and I won't go through it. If you know, you know, or if you can go to YouTube and do it, if your kids aren't around. I mean, that was him standing up and be like, we're not taking this anymore. This isn't who we are anymore. Um, I love that. I remember when that happened. I was like, thank God we got a guy that like gets it, a guy that cares. Um, and I want to go back on something real quick and then we can answer other questions. You asked me if Baltimore people like understand or younger people of their generation, or they're just like, oh, Ravens are our team. Part of the reason, I don't know if I've ever told you this, and maybe we'll get Cribs together for this. Cribs and I were doing pregame for TAM like three years ago, two, three years ago. We're at a bar downtown Cleveland, and it's Ravens Browns, you know, and it's, you know, it's, it is what it is. And there's a lot of Baltimore people. It's not a bad drive. A lot of Baltimore people like driving through. Cribs is from the D.C. area. Um, a couple years younger than me. I'd say three, four, you know, he's in the middle of you and I. And Cribs was a was a was a Redskins fan, and Cribs was like literally. We go to break. Mike Snyder and I we go to break, and we're like, ah, those hated Baltimore Ravens. And there were like two fans in the bar because it's Cleveland, and they're getting ready to fight at nine thirty a.m. in Cleveland because you know <laughs> that that's what you do, and you don't wear a Ravens jersey in here when I'm you know on a Browns Sunday. This is our you you stole our team, and Cribs is looking at Mike Snyder and I. He's like you know he's like dang this is real, and I was like. I looked at Cribs. I was like, dude, you're from there. You don't get it. And he was like, he goes, nah, man, I was just living out of junior high, getting ready to go to high school. He goes, I'm a Redskins fan. He goes, but it was awesome to have two teams. And now this was Josh Cribs who had already played for the Browns, who had gotten his block knocked off by the Ravens, who had some of his biggest games against the Ravens, who has now retired and doing radio with my chubby butt. And he's looking at me and he's looking at Mike Snyder and he's going, why do y'all hate the Ravens so bad? <laughs> and literally, like, I had to take, like, a deep breath. And I was like, this, 
this commercial break's not going to be long enough. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you. And by the end of the conversation of us explaining, and like, and Mike Snyder was great for that because Mike Snyder was like, dude, we worked at the radio station in a water company, a company that dropped off water to the Models. Called in Benny Haas, I think was the name. And they called in and they were like, hey, um, we've delivered water to the Models house for the last 15 years. The house is empty. They're gone. Like literally Mike Snyder got that call like on his break and like had to like figure out what to do with that. And we're telling all this to Josh Cribs and he, it was like, we were telling them how, you know, like the immaculate reception. He was like, wait a minute, that happened and that happened and that happened. And we're like, yeah. And he came back on the air and he was like, wow, I hate the Ravens too. <laughs> but even like, and I think that's like in terms of, you know, how we told this story, like to me, you know, someone listens to the podcast now and says, okay, Modell really screwed this team over. And that antidote about like, or, you know, like the, them being gone when the water comes, like you can't fit that into a podcast when you're also trying right. to provide all of the context for the Browns have been like, the Browns were, were like ripped up from this city and like yeah. ripped up and taken away that. Yeah. That And I, I do think someone said something cool uh, in one of your mentions on Twitter of basically like, listening to this wound so I can finally heal it or something like that. Yeah. Like there is something like legit therapeutic of being like, Oh yeah, that's right. Butch Davis. Ugh. Or like, you know, I think there was, you know, some in, in episodes that we'll have coming out, there's some real positive and kind of bittersweet memories about, you know, when you were there too with Bill Savage and Romeo yeah. Cornell, like if you really want to appreciate how sweet we are now, like, even if you don't remember or you're just getting on the bandwagon now, like learn to kind of appreciate the context because it makes this what's happening now so much sweeter. Yeah. And our history. I'm, I'm glad we kind of put it out there. Like before there was Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, you know, the Browns were what you wanted to be in the NFL. You know, before the Steelers ran off all their wins in the 70s, like the Steelers wanted to be the Browns. Yeah. And I don't know how many kids that are going to school in Brunswick you know, or Berea or, or Wadsworth or wherever in Northeast Ohio realize um, those orange helmets, like that was the, that was the primo team. That's who all these other teams that, you know, and I, and I wanted to get that out there. There's a pride. You, and I, I think I, I think I told you this and I think you got it right away. I was like, there's a pride about football in Northeast Ohio that I want the rest of the world to understand and get that we act crazy like this. And we're nuts like this. As you said, you told your wife, like, uh, you know, once once a week in the, in the fall, I may run around with my shirt off and yell and scream crazy stuff. I don't have a problem. I'm just a Browns fan. <laughs> like, like, I want people to know. I want kids to know. Um, and not that we're the history teachers or anything else, but I want when they're cheering this year or when they're cheering next year or when they have their kid and they name him Baker or they name him, you know, Jarvis, I want them to know that, like, hey, the New England Patriots weren't the first, you know, super team. The, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers weren't. It was the Cleveland Browns. Um, go to the, you know, like, I want people that listen to this across the country to say, yeah, not only is the Football Hall of Fame in Canton, you know, 50 miles away, but there is something about this region and football that I don't want ever lost to the rest of the country, especially to ourselves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a little more history than Bishop Sycamore, I'd say that. <laughs> 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 so what's Blue Iron? What about Bishop oh, Sycamore? Man. I was like, I, well, also, like, I mean, as you know, too, like, anyone who has lived in Ohio, and I mean, my high school was, like, D3 or D4. It's like, like someone said Bishop Sycamore, I was like, that's a fake school. Yeah, a fake school. I know. Like, come on. I know. I know, I know. Like, 
Hoban. I know them all. Like, I know them all. You just right. like, you grow up. I was like, I'm sick of working. Right. That ain't no real team. Hey, man, somebody going to jail for that. That's the yeah, somebody got to go. Somebody got to go to jail for that. Someone's man. going to jail and someone's going to the Oscars. And let's yeah. be on the other side. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, that's going to be a story. That's going to be <laughs> somebody's going to make a movie out of that. And it's Ooh. not even fun. But the funny thing is, because I mean, because Northeast Ohio had nothing to do on Sunday. Like, you know, like I literally did. I like for a couple minutes, I turned it on. I was like, I am geez, killing these boys. And I was like, <laughs> like you know, like I like you said, I was like, Sycamore, that ain't no school in Ohio. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> this is like some swampland. I was like, but, what is going on here? Hey, but it plays into what you are doing right now. That's how crazy football is in Ohio. That some dude that's probably no offense to janitors, but some yes. guy that was probably a janitor, like, I'm gonna get my I'm gonna get my son up. I'm gonna get my son up. A uh, scholarship. I know how I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna make my own team. <laughs> a, a Ponzi scheme high school football team is wild. wild. Only in Ohio. Only in Ohio. <laughs> um, let's. Uh, I got a question from Zigzag Graham. Dre, who's your favorite player you got to meet on the Indians that is no longer on the team that you wish we had back? Oh man. Um, most of them. I mean, Lindor is an easy one, right? But I would say uh, Michael Brantley, um, only because Brant, as a person, um, is and not and I actually Brant just is a, is a great person and a great player. Um, I think that just how he carries himself, how his family carries, like he just he was in, it, here. I'll tell it this way, and this is no offense to any coaches or anything else. Like when you had a slump five years ago, you went to Michael Brantley and his dad would like show up and like be in the cage the next day. And it was nothing against the team's hitting coach. It was just like, that's how the Brantley family works. Like when Miles Straw got traded over here from Houston, when I, you know, when I asked him, like, what he goes, Michael Brantley told me everything about Cleveland, told me where to go, told me this. I still talk to Brantley every day. Um, and it's funny, Brantley and I probably have a better relationship today than we did. Well, we've always had a great relationship. He just is a legit dude that respected awesome. Cleveland. You know, that, so I would have to go with that. Uh, Lindor. I love him still, and I still and like I've, I've already texted him um, thumbs down, and he just sent me back shaking my head. We have to have a conversation about that. There's a lot of other guys, but but Brantley and jo and Josh Tomlin, two best dudes I've ever met, to be honest. Straw is uh, Straw's pretty nice, man. I'd say like I this dude just shows up and he is fast as all hell. He can fly. He can Goodness fly. Gracious. They made a. You know what I think the Indians learned this year? They learned that um, if you don't have a, if you don't have a legitimate center fielder, everything else kind of falls to shit. Same with shortstop. Like you have to have those positions manned by men that. And and we've been lucky in Cleveland, especially shortstop. You know, through Omar, through Lindor, and and I think Rosario, who's not in the same elk defensively. Um, he's still he's a work in progress, but I know there's a couple other guys coming defensively that could be pretty good. But if you don't have great defenders up the middle, it's tough to win in Major League Baseball. And I think they found the right guy in Miles Straw to kind of be their center fielder going forward. Rosario, okay, this is the most fun mediocre team the Indians have had in 20 years. For sure, like, they, like there have been better teams that have been more annoying to watch, and. Uh, <laughs> It's a like, good way of putting it. <laughs> like Rosario is just fun as hell at the plate because he is he he's like one of the hitters that everybody talks about missing in the league. Like he's right. just gonna put the ball in play. He's gonna be scrappy up there. And yeah, you might make him look goofy on a slider, but like he's gonna he's gonna poke the ball somewhere. Like infield hits, he's he's hustling his ass off all it's just he's su he's such an important table setter 
um, that has been so fun to watch. And he's, he's like relatively young too, man. I'm, yeah. I'm excited about him. Well, that's the thing. He plays that's like what, he's 30 too. That's right, he does. You look, you think he's older, but he's young. Right, that's the thing about baseball. Like, uh, you know, and we, I think we do this in all sports, right? But he was a top, he was a top prospect, top 10 prospect like three years ago, four years ago. Like, that just doesn't go away. Like, to be good yeah. to be that, that means you have some talent. Um, and he had a great year two years ago, two years ago in New York. Defensively, there's times where he can aggravate you. But like you said, when he's got a bat in his hand and he's running around bases, he's probably in the top 5% of guys you'd want on base in Major League Baseball, running around first to third, first to home. Uh, he's a tremendous athlete. And I always say this in a funny way, and this goes back to my football background, and I love baseball. Uh, and I used to say this to Puig. I was like, and I said, yes. I was like, yes, yo, if you were born in America, you would have never picked up a bat. You would have been, been a middle linebacker. You would have been a tight end. If Rosario grew up in America, he would be playing safety or wide receiver for an NFL team and be one of the best in the, in the, in the business yeah. at it. He's that type of athlete. He really yeah. is. It's, he moves that way, too. Yes. He is a tremendous – and that's kind of what hurts him at shortstop. He's got those long strides. You almost need to be a little choppier. You almost need to be like built like a Lindor or Omar, you know, where you have those smaller strides when you're in the infield so you can, have, you can get the quick release. Um, but they're working on it. And, Sar and Mike Sarball is one of the better coaches in the league at helping guys. So I, I like where they're going. I think, I think a year from – you know, going into next year, injuries without you – you might have the best rotation in baseball, hands down, no doubt. I, I mean, they, they legit have, you know, also what, you know, we've kind of talked off air about, you know, McKenzie and kind of who he was and how he basically had to go through double A for the first half of the season. Right. But when you see a kid like him emotionally kind of like start to breathe and take command of the game that reminds you a lot of Bieber, like just like you see this dude like start to like he's not getting upset. He's doing the same thing every time he's and when he he's flipped it on, I mean, we legit have six top three starters next yeah. year. Yeah. It's going to be fun. And it's going to be fun. If they get, they're going to get, and if they spend money the way they say they will get a couple of guys, get a guy or two in the, in the bullpen, get two bats maybe. Um, and let's go. And I, and I know the player and I, and I won't say names, but I know the players feel the same way. Like they're like, we, they're, they're not afraid of anybody, but they know what the little help and, and with their rotation set um, they feel like, why not us? And, and I think that's the cool thing about uh, where Cleveland sports are in general right now. We, we're, in a good, we're in a good place. I remember I was telling Harry 2000, when we were doing the pod, I was like, man, 2007. Remember, we were recording one of the episodes, and I won't say what episode. Obviously, it was, obviously it was around 07. And I was like, no, 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 dude, we got to write in. 07 was like the pinnacle. I thought that we were – the Indians were going to the World Series – um, you know, the Browns had a winning season. The Cavs were, you know, were, had LeBron and everything was rolling. And Cleveland happened. <laughs> we had to start all over again. Came down hard, man. Yeah. The Hafner years. Oh, yeah. man. Um, well, I mean, like, uh, what do you think about, you know, I know you talk about it on A to Z and everywhere else, but, like, what are you looking for from the Browns right out of the gate? I mean, they've got um, – I mean, the the roster the roster is just also like, just on paper. But no 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 victories on paper. But like, right. man, they are cutting people who are going to be Kadero on other. Kadero Hodge is a good player. There's no way that dude is clearing waivers. Um, I'm glad you asked that because I think, and maybe this is because I've been in the building, or maybe because I know what seasons are like. 
I understand. Like, I know, like, Tony Rizzo's going to Kansas City. I probably shouldn't tell him. I don't know if it's out there yet. But he's, like, going to Kansas City. He's my guy. I can tell. He's going to Kansas City to do his show. And, and God bless him. Good for them. We need excitement. Like, I'm not against it. Um, but I know how radio kind of works here. They may – like, the second game of the season is against the Houston Texans, so you should win that by 40, I believe. Um, I'm not going to get too high or too low early on. But I am curious to see, Peter, and this is – I want to see Joe Wood's defense really play. Um, I think he's a really good coach. I watched what he did in other places. It drove me crazy hearing fans last year kill him when he had like Peter at, at nose tackle and me at like linebacker last year. <laughs> and he had no, and he's playing a safety in Medina while they played. Uh, Cause Sedano or 23 had no business being on the team and they couldn't find a better safety. I think the talent is going to lead to, I know the offense is sexy and I know that you got, you know, and they'll sell t-shirts and, you know, and, they'll, and they're going to be like, they're, they're going to score 50 in a game, I think, this year because in the right time, right place. But defensively, Clowney has never played with a guy. And I mean, he's played on good defenses, but he's never had a guy like he has on the other side of him. I think we have a chance defensively if you get those athletes and they stay healthy in the back end. I'm curious to see what Joe Woods puts together because I think they can score. Um, but it won't matter nearly as much if the defense has to play the way it did last year. And I think the defense can be its own. Uh, winning part of the formula. Um, I'm not selling. I'm not like one of those that's killing the Steelers off. I'm not doing that until I actually see them dead. Like I've I've been to the horror movies. I've, I've I've heard the horror stories. You guys can do all that. I won't do that until I actually see Ben Roethlisberger no longer moving anymore and Michael Myers <laughs> coming out. Of the yeah. Building. <laughs> yeah, I've got the nightmares. I've I've been there. I don't. Uh, I think they're a really good teams still. I think Baltimore's still good. I think Cincinnati's going to be a pain in the ass. So for excited as we are. Um, you know, it's still going to be a football season. There's going to be bumps in the road. But I think this is going to be fun because, for once, we're going to have a weapon or we're going to have something we can come back with. Let me be um, completely hyperbolic and unrealistic for a second. Um, let you be a Cleveland Browns fan. Yeah, let me just, let me just get my fandom out real fast. Uh, Malik McDowell might be Thanos. Yeah. And <laughs> – he might be able to play anywhere on the line. Clowney has never been also on a team that had Miles Garrett. And Miles has never been on a team that had Jadavion. True. And these dudes might be up 20 points in the second quarter. Like, there is a chance that if you, like, this offense, it is, it is really hard to kind of keep all of these thoughts in our head at the same time. Right. We are, like, our offense last year was fucking amazing. Like, yeah. incredible. We went up, we... Like, before everyone knew Dallas was trash, we went to Dallas and just roasted them. Hey, like we, we beat Dallas. 40 burgers yeah, on right. every I, – I know they came back and it was a little close and all that stuff. Sorry, like, we beat Dallas when they yes. had Dak. We beat yes. Dallas when they had Dak. And Dak was – is Dak makes them formidable. That, and, but I'm glad you brought that up. And not to cut you off, but I got to do this. Thank you for mentioning that game. OBJ is going to be a beast this year. And, like, a beast in a way of, like, he may not – have 1,700 yards. He may not have 15 touchdowns. But because of every element that you have offensively, when you need him to bust a game open, he won that game. Like, if you go back to the Dallas game, Hands it down. was won because Hands of, down. Because of it was his game. Yes. That is the beauty of this. You're going to have days where you're just going to be like, hey, 13, you, we need you to save us. Chubb wins you games. I think that's the beauty of this is that Odell can average five catches a, a game. But if they're the five right catches – you're unstoppable. <laughs> like that's the beauty of where the Browns are at right now. Unstoppable. If you like, 
Nick Chubb alone is a terror. And the fact of also the same way we're talking about Miles and Jadavion making each other better. Hunt. All right, you are a free safety. You've got Anthony Schwartz um, oh. on your right. You've got Demetric Felton coming out of the backfield with Chubb still there. You've got Njoku, who is still, you know, Drew Rosenhaus now in the rearview mirror, got his fucking mind right, and can actually catch the rock. You've got Landry on the other side. It's a And you finally got Baker, who is in a system yes. for the second – for, like, he's in a system, and he just is confident, and he's fast, and he gets the ball out like a Drew Brees, like a Tom Brady, like an Aaron Rodgers, where he knows where everyone is at all times. And if you give him all those pieces, like – I just don't it's, know what we're gonna do with ourselves. I don't know. I, it sounds if like we beat Peter, Kansas City. <laughs> man, we beat Kansas sure City. Off. You, you, if we beat, yeah, we beat Kansas City. You fools will be trying to have another parade. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> it's gonna be. A, it's funny you brought up Drew Rosenhaus, and I went to say something. And that's the one. And Jake Burns asked me earlier when I was interviewing with him. He was like, "Well, you know, tell." And I'm like, "The one thing that's changed in my life, the one thing for being around, I, like, I used to be able to talk crap about agents and stuff, and I can't anymore because." The connections to like players and things I know about them, <laughs> and who's age like Drew. Here, here, I'll give it to you. I hope he's. I hope this gets back to you. Drew Rosenhaus has a brother who is a baseball agent now. Drew Rosenhaus is like third cousins with Jim Rosenhaus, who does Indians baseball. Drew Rosenhaus's brother's company is an agency for Shane Bieber. I've known Drew Rosenhaus though since oh five, oh six. And it's just crazy. And like, and I've got my own stories. <laughs> and I've got my own theories. Put it this way, I almost ended up working for him way back at 05, 06. Okay. Um, it's just a crazy world. That's all I'll say. And it's just crazy how things come together in its own weird way. And how about this? Bobby Bradley's agent is Miles Garrett's agent. Okay, I like that. Yeah, That's just wild. Yeah, it is wild. And every it is, time I hear, a, every time I hear Bobby Bradley's name, I just think of saying it the way like you would say Bobby Boucher. I can't. I know. Like Bobby Bradley. I just Bobby, can't. Oh, that dude's got talent too. I, I he's got he's a strong, strong kid from Mississippi, boy. Wow. Somebody, somebody on the, I don't know if it's Antonetti or somebody owes all of us a few hours back of our life of having to watch Jake Bowers for the first couple months of the year. Uh, that's all I'll say. Um, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to, you don't have to say anything at all. I will, you know, this is uh, this is an audio medium as well. So I'll take the heat there. Um, I mean, I think generally, listen, Rosenhaus aside, you just see Njoku look around and say, I want out last year. But, and then, he was our honestly probably most important player on offense for late in the year percent of the Chiefs game. Yeah, in the playoffs. Well, he's so talented. You know, he's but he's young. His maturity level has is, is gone up and down. Um, if if he ever when if you know you hate to say it, if the light bulb ever goes off, he has top five tight end talent in the game. Um, now that means you have to be a great blocker. That means you have to concentrate and you have to catch the ball. Um, he reminds me of like the, the great shortstop at 15 years old that can go in the hole, make an unbelievable play. But if you hit a, you know, a two bouncer right at him, he kicks it because he loses yeah. concentration. Um, and I get why you brought up the, I get why you brought, you'd be honest with you. And knowing Rosen, Rosenhaus, um, Rosenhaus wants to get the best for him. He's a Miami guy, but sure. at the same time, I'm sure Rosen, trust me, Rosenhaus is just as hard on him as, as we would be. And be like, dude, if you want what you're asking for, you got to bring it. You don't bring it. Um, you look so, around 
high tides raise all ships. And you look around and right. you see OBJ, you see Nick Chubb, you see this line, you see this coaching staff. Like no doubt. No all doubt. of a sudden we just became so professional. Well, let me ask you this. Who do you think is the next person that's signed? Like out of the guy, like everybody wants Baker to be, and I just don't think they're going to do it. They'll do it when they have to do it. I'll give you my answers. Wyatt Teller. I think Wyatt Teller changed the offensive line into a nasty bunch of SOBs. There's a play. Jake Burns put it up, and somebody else did. There's a play for the Atlanta game. And talk to your I buddy. Saw that. You saw oh, it? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. This is like, that's football forward for me, where, Jay, where Teller starts off helping out the center. Yeah. And the defensive end rolls inside off of, uh, off of Conklin. And he just, I mean, it's a Mike Tyson Nashes knockout. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That dude's a monster, man. That's what you, oh, that's what gets me excited about the Browns. Oh. It's it's so cool, and I think again, it's just like the podcast. Like, there's too many things to go into, but Bill Callahan is you're off. He's like drawing up your he's drawing up your zone scheme, and he's teaching like, all right, Hudson's had a rough preseason. Well, he's a rookie who transitioned to tackle like 18 right. months ago, and like you know had to deal with Jim Harbaugh, which as a Michigan fan, God bless you. Like, I mean, like, like he's he's young. Like, couldn't you imagine a better person? Like, no. Well, look at what their like, line was late in the season last year. Un- unbelievable. They I mean, guys- Blake Hans, Michael Dunn. You got right. people coming in like who were controlling, like T.J. Watt. Right. Right. It was unbelievable. All right, I'm getting up. I'm up against it a little bit. Um, a couple things, and I know you'll say it better than I will with this Brownstown podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's 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 wrap it up. We have a Monday night coming up where we're going to do kind of a listening party. Yep. I don't know the date off the top of my head because I, 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 I here's the dates that are in my head right now. September, Mid-October. Let's Mid-October. Mid-October. Mid-October on a Monday night. It looks like we're going to, and I won't say the place where, but you follow us um, on our social media. We're going to let you know. We're going to have kind of like a listening party get together. Um, it should be really cool, knock on wood. I'm not saying it because I'm going to be there, but uh, maybe we'll have some of these T-shirts and things of that nature. Mm. Uh, we may have a couple cool players show up for that we're on the podcast. Um, and it'll just be a get together on a Monday night to watch football and to talk about the podcast and where it's going and all that other cool stuff. Um, so we hope you can join and be a part of that. I'm really, really excited about that. Um, and maybe we'll do a couple more of these as more episodes come out per week, uh, because it is, it's been a labor of love is something Peter has said, and, and it's so true. Um, I know for, you know, we did over 30 interviews and I know after like the first three or four interviews, I remember Peter and I kind of texted and kind of talking and we're like, this is going to be great, but how are we going to do it? Or what, what's the story we're going to tell? Or what, how do we want to get this out? Um, it took a while, but I, I think we figured it out pretty good. I think so. Shout out to Harry again. Yes. He's been such a stud on this show. John Yales, Kevin Jones, Blue Wire. Um, this has been a ton of fun. And um, yeah, we'll just see what happens. Hopefully you enjoy this show. And uh, the Browns go 17-0 and we're all... Uh, J.R. Smith in February uh, 2022. <laughs> Everybody's going to get pneumonia and be a J.R. Smith in February. <laughs> Worth it. Listen, masks on, shirts off. That's my There you right? go. <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt. That's it. <laughs> All right, Dre. Appreciate you, man. We'll Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Appreciate you guys watching and listening. We'll talk to you. See you soon. Peace.